Chapter Four of From Mud to Mufti by Bruce Bairn's Father. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four Take Over a Company Old Soldier's Tricks Company Payday. Being on light duty, my first job was to be put on to a company which also went in for light duty. A couple of companies were kept there in those days, which were composed entirely of men who had been out to the war, but who, having been either wounded or temporarily invalided, had gravitated back to the depot. I was posted to one of these companies, and was now therefore responsible for its entire welfare. There were several men there who had been with me in France, men who had been through the winter in the trenches, and who, at varying dates, had been wounded and had left the front in consequence. The whole company was a collection of has-beens. This company of mine, I'll call it X Company, was not remarkable for a thirst for barrack life work. It was astonishing how bad those old wounds became on the day that the route march came round. But how could you blame them? They had all had a fearful time in France, and really did deserve a bit of a slack. To get them completely fit again was the main point, and this with the minimum amount of toil to them. I confess I am leniently inclined to these people. I think others who have been out and had some feel the same. But at that period there were a good many in authority who had not been to France, and who consequently had little sympathy for easy work. Everyone now has been out but the time I write about is late 1915. Those veterans I had in my company were the most work-evading group that ever existed. Yet if they had been ordered out to an attack, they would have sailed into it with the good old original Battle of Mons spirit, or held any line till all was blue. I love those old work-evading, tricky, self-contained slackers, old soldiers. They are the cutest set of old rogues imaginable, yet with it all there is such a humorous, childlike simplicity. They can size up their officers better than any Sherlock Holmes. I'll guarantee that an old soldier will know to a nicety how dirty he could keep his buttons without being hauled up by his new officer after doing one parade under him. An old soldier will pinch a tunic from a man in another company because he has pawned his own, and come on parade with it entirely to deceive you temporarily. If you were lying wounded in the middle of a barrage, that same man would come and pull you out. And good old Bill belongs to these lovable humorists. Total outlook, as little work as possible. Total ability, fight like hell and can't be beaten. Many is the time I have come across their quaint and cunning tricks amongst themselves or directed against me. And many a time I have had to go off behind some huts to laugh it out to myself. Company work is all right, but company upkeep is another matter. This company of mine was about 200 strong, and when I took over, I was, of course, immediately put in charge of all the documents and books which appertain to the looking after of a company. Now this is where I am no good whatever. I do not think that I shall ever live to see a day when I can say I understand that backbone of the army, the pay and mess book. It is only one of a set of books necessary to company upkeep but it has an atmosphere all its own. It consists simply in a statement of what a soldier ought to get, and what he does get, and I think you subtract one from the other, I'm not quite certain. Sounds simple, but it's only about one case in a million that a soldier does get exactly what he is theoretically entitled to. He has either borrowed some in advance, been fined, or has had some compulsorily deducted at the request of a turbulent wife. 
This makes the interior of the pay and mess book a treatise on mathematics to me. If you are a halfpenny out at the end of the week, you spend an afternoon with your quartermaster sergeant trying to find it. You would willingly pay the halfpenny yourself and call it square, but that doesn't do at all. Throws the whole thing out. At about 4.30 p.m., when all signs of troops have melted away, everyone has gone to play, the sun is shining outside, and distant laughter comes from the football field, Quartermaster Sergeant looks up from the pay and mess book and, turning to you, says, I've found it, sir. He points a perspiring finger at a penciled halfpenny in one of the columns and explains that there is a halfpenny due back from Mrs. Dubbs, the washerwoman, on behalf of Private Stickleback's shirt, which ought to have gone to the wash but didn't. Relief. The pay and mess book is now temporarily correct and can be put away. Only temporarily, though. It is going to come out again next time you pay out. This paying out comes once a week. X Company got paid on a Friday. Barring the part where you have to carry a couple of sacks of assorted coins up from the bank to do it with, it's a comparatively easy job. This is how the whole operation goes. Friday comes. There's going to be no parade in the afternoon because it's payday and after attending battalion orders at 2 p.m. in the orderly room, you were due to go to your sergeant major's hut and pay your company out. In the morning, whilst you were drilling your company, inspecting their huts, etc., you have sent one of your subalterns down to the bank, wherever it may be, with a check for the amount required. The officer goes to the bank, gets the money, and then tries to return with it. If he is in good health and hasn't any heart trouble, he will probably turn up with a sack of half-crowns, shillings, and sixpences before lunch, and have them ready for you. About a hundred and fifty pounds worth of nothing larger than a half-crown is a rotten thing either to walk or bicycle with. Orders are over and paying out time has arrived. You and the subaltern who is going to help you go to the sergeant major's hut. He is there ready for you. Likewise, your company quartermaster sergeant, who has covered a table with a G.S. blanket and has produced that bogey, the pay and mess book, and has laid it on the table. You, the company commander, now sit at the table and your subaltern shoots out all the money in front of you and starts making neat little piles of half-crowns, shillings, and sixpences. The quartermaster sergeant sits at your side, ready to interpret the mathematical enigmas in the pay and mess book. The quartermaster sergeant, by the way, knows everything there is to know about company upkeep, bookkeeping, and everything else. To me, he stands out like a human lighthouse in a sea of trouble. The company is now surging about outside the hut like hens waiting to be fed. Some of the bolder ones put their heads round the corner of the door and let their eyes feast on the dazzling array of half-crowns. They are frightened off by the sergeant major, who has now taken complete charge of the scene. He turns to you and says, Are you ready, sir? You hastily review the piles of wealth and murmur, Are you ready, quartermaster sergeant? He murmurs, Quite ready, sir. You then suddenly remember that you must get two witnesses to the paying out. These are hurriedly obtained, after which you say in a loud, truculent voice, Carry on, sergeant major. You've started. Paying out has begun. The quartermaster sergeant reads out the names. He does it like this. Eighty-four ninety-eight blobs. A face of avarice is framed in the doorway, salutes, and comes forward. Quartermaster Sergeant murmurs to you, Shilling, sir. You hand a shilling to Mr. Blobs, who takes it, forgets to salute, 
makes a left about turn and walks away, but is immediately stopped by the sergeant major at the door, who makes him go all through the motions of taking a shilling on payday again, this time correctly, which is salute, take money, salute, right about turn, and exit. Private Blobs goes out and darts off amongst the huts to get into some lonely corner where he can figure out how much amusement and worldly benefit can be derived from that shilling. He should have had more, only he is being fined for having three days before slid a mattress from end to end with his bayonet in an outburst of untimely jocularity. Quartermaster Sergeant again, 4683 Perkins, turning to you. Six shillings, sir. You look up to see who this model of virtue may be who is entitled to all his pay, and you hand him six shillings with a thrill of admiration. He salutes and departs. Quartermaster Sergeant again. 3264 Smith, freckled giant shoots in at the door. Sergeant Major is suspicious. What's your number? Freckled giant. 2935 Smith. Sergeant Major, Quartermaster Sergeant, and Company Commander, together, petulantly. Wrong number. It's 3264 Smith we want. The real Smith appears and gets his money. And so the job goes on. Paying out X Company used to take me about an hour and a half. Paying is easy enough, but at the end you have to balance the books and enter things up. This, as I said before, may lead to anything. In my case, it generally led to another couple of hours grappling with figures. I think this must have been the fate of anyone who had X Company under his care. End of chapter 4 Recording by Philip Gould